Welcome to this BJSM podcast. My name is James Walsh and today I'm speaking with Andy Nicoletos. Andy is an osteopath who specialises in the treatment of golfers and golf injuries from professionals right the way through to amateur golfers. Over the last many years you know you've seen you know the the popularity of golfers like Tiger Woods and everything has brought the game potentially to a, a newer younger audience um, how would you say sort of golfing practices um, from a physical therapy and coaching and all of those sort of things has, has that changed has that modernized in the same way um, I definitely I think Tiger Woods changed the image of, of golf um, prior to that without stereotyping too much but I believe people didn't really consider physical fitness and health as part of golf Um, apart from Gary Player who was quite unique in the sense that he believed that his health off the course was valuable to his health on the course but that didn't really catch on because in his era there were golfers who were sort of conformed to the more traditional model of, of play golf go to the 19th hole and have a few drinks. Um, when Tiger burst onto the scene, he was immediately very successful and he spoke very publicly about, you know, golf is a sport and physical fitness and health is important for, for golf. And actually Tiger Woods wouldn't have looked out of place on a, on a rugby pitch, for example. Um, so naturally, along with uh, major sports endorsements, that was quite alluring for people who wanted to get into golf and people who played the game, as well as people who wanted to get better for for a whole host of different reasons. And, and, and everyone wanted to wear a, a red t-shirt on a, on a Sunday playing golf, um, myself included. So um, with that, I think that golf as a sport has seized upon an opportunity to create a, a new image that attracts people to the game and whereby they don't have to feel ashamed that they they play golf and let's just keep this between you and I and let's not discuss this with our rugby friends. Um, So it has, right down to the apparel, um, taken on a a new image. And now people coming into the game or people who've played the game for many years have started to look outside of the traditional coaching model, move your arms and your body in this way, to looking at ways in which they can improve their physical health in a way that will benefit their golf game. So with that in mind, what would your approach to a golfer be? Um, this this is quite interesting because for years, I, I always wondered about what golf fitness actually is. And I think if you spoke to most, even club golfers, they'd go, oh, it's uh, it's about strength for for distance and um, let's say you and I met at a party a New Year's Eve party you hear people say I want to improve my fitness and you can say it and people will just accept it but I don't actually think we ever question it it's just a term that is used I'm fitter than you and I think the traditional model of fitness has implied that you're fitter than the next person if you can stay on a treadmill longer than that person But I don't think, or you have a higher VO2 max, for example, okay? And again, with that comes a specific image. So you're fitter if you can run for longer or row for longer or cycle for longer. And I I don't think that is is true. I know people who have been to the gym for seven odd years. They run, do a bit running, do a bit of Pilates, but I wouldn't necessarily say that they are fit. So I think fitness um, spans many different physical qualities, including the ability to work your heart and lungs, the ability to use your own body weight and the ability to lift 
weight, for example. So first and foremost, before I think about specific images of exercise, I think, look, does your program get you out of breath? Does your program involve lifting the weight? And does your program involve moving your own body? So it's, it's very, very broad because I could say to you, your program is going to be deadlifts, front squats, back squats, and, and so forth, right? But I, I haven't necessarily challenged other physical qualities that I think are relevant to, to your health. Now, if we go to one of the categories such as lifting weight, that doesn't mean that someone needs to do deadlifts and power cleans to be successful on and off a golf course, because one, they might not have access to a gym, and, and, and two, they might have um, physical and, and health implications that mean that they can't do them or it's not wise to do them. So, you know, I, I've worked with golfers who are well into their 80s. They're not using the gym. I just say, look, put some books in a bag and practice standing up um, off the floor with, holding that back. Is golf fitness starts with the health of the individual who plays golf. And that is why I believe that golf fitness is important for everyone you know it's not a, an image of a specific exercise such as deadlifts that everyone needs to do in order to hit the golf ball further and so it's basically about preparing an individual for all eventualities on the course but also off the course and then marrying them together one of the things that, that you know we sort of come across quite a lot is that we, there's quite a big disconnect between you know, when people are, they're looking at research, they're looking at, you know, they're looking at pain science, you know, they're looking at uh, fitness, you know, there's a th obviously there's more categories than that, but sort of marrying them all together in a sort of the reality of the, of the, of the clinical environment, I think often, often comes, doesn't, doesn't happen that easily for a lot of people. How do you, how do you sort of marry those things together into, into a sort of a comprehensive unit, as it were? Um. That is, has been probably the biggest challenge of, of my career because you learn, you learn healthcare in a very sort of separate way. You know, you learn about heart physiology, lung physiology, and without really marrying them. And, and then new ideas come in and, and you treat it as if it's a separate entity rather than part of practice. Um, so from a pain and injury perspective, I've been heavily influenced by clinicians who I think have married many different areas of practice together under one sort of template. And, uh, and for me, the outstanding sort of model in that regard is the, the shopping basket approach by, by Louis Gifford. And um, that was developed based on his own instincts and intuition about good practice. And, and it was really about marrying different areas of, of practice that were pertinent to someone's overall presentation, not just their, their, their pain, but their health in general, so that clinicians could stay away from singular thought processes. Could you give me, a, let's, let's sort of chat through a, yeah. a, a sort of a theoretical, yeah. or you know, even if yeah. you can think of a particular yeah. patient you might have treated, you know, if we yeah. could make a concrete example. Yeah, so let's say a, a golfer comes in with back pain, okay? Um, I've got to, within that simple presentation, think about from a biomedical perspective. So my own shopping basket approach was influenced by Louis' approach, but I've used my own sort of uh, approach based on how I 
I like to think and reason. So if I saw a golfer with, with back pain, I would, as anyone would, exclude red flags and, and, and so forth. Um, and, and then think about what can biomedicine at that point for that patient offer an individual. You know, and, and there's no set recipe there. It depends completely on the individual circumstances. You know, it, they might be playing in a golf tournament tomorrow, you know, and, and in, in that case, they might be better off seeing a, a sports doctor who can offer them some sort of immediate pain relief, you know, in, in the grand scheme of their management, in the grand scheme of what they're trying to achieve. Um, outside of that, or another compartment or part of the basket is their their functional goals. What what do they want to achieve? And again, I break that down to what are your goals and aspirations on the course? What are your goals and aspirations off the course? So they might say, look, this is something that I've had that's a reoccurring, um, this is a reoccurring injury or, or pain episode, and it really stops me doing X, Y, and Z on the course. So immediately I, I make a note, has problems with X, Y, and Z on the course, and how can we help him achieve those specific on-course aims? Then we say, look, what are your functional goals off the course? Well, actually, I've got two um, children. I have problems you know, lifting them. It does affect my back. Immediately, we've got a buy-in to how can we impact him or this individual lifting, lifting their kids? How can we physically prepare them during the rehabilitation process? And then, of course, another part of the, the shopping basket approach is the, the pain science stuff. What, what, what are the unique factors that separate this individual's back pain to another person's back pain? And within that, or contributing factors to that, are the classic biobehavioral aspects. So what are their thoughts, attitudes, beliefs? What have they told, been told previously? And also um, health implications as well. So what are the systemic contributors to this individual's propensity for, for pain. Um, and within this broad model, lots of people can understand and be a part of this. So if this person is getting caught pain related to their golf swing, this is where a coach can get involved and say, look, this is what I think might be contributing to, to their symptomology. But it's really important that if other professionals get involved, that they understand pain in the context of a a broad model because danger occurs when someone comes in and they're separate to this and they say they've got back pain because they do this on their backswing or they do this on when they hit the ball no that's just part of what's in this basket yeah we can uh, without again libeling you know you can think of some quite um, high profile uh, golfers who've you know, got onto the the merry-go-round of of different healthcare practitioners, and and particularly with back pain, that has been 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 a problem. Yeah. Um. How how do you avoid that with your patients? Sometimes it can be very uh, difficult because, of course, if you add a new story, um, you you're then actually a potential source of frustration in yourself. Um. You know, you're you're another part of their their yellow flag and frustration with healthcare. So and. But the, of course, the difficulty is often that people come in and they have very warped perceptions of their what's stopping them from being on the course. You know, that their disc is out of place or their sacrum slipped and, and, and so forth. So often this can be very hard to un undo. I try to, if they've got preconceived ideas, 
then I will try and look at those within the, the a broader context. So I, will, I won't necessarily dismiss it or rubbish it, but I will say, well, I think that's relevant and what you've done previously has obviously really helped you, but I'm gonna try and look at that within a much broader framework of how that affects you um, from a functional perspective, how that, you know, do you worry about your back and have specific concerns and can we address them? And I, I think that might help with your propensity for your backslipping for example um so um it but again there's not a singular singular approach mm. it, it really depends on the person who's presenting how receptive they are to change you know we, we can't just say actually back pain's nothing to do with physical factors or it's not what we originally thought and then for them to say oh yeah that's fine and i'm happy to move forward with your new approach that considers my behaviors and attitudes i i, I think that would be incredibly naive particularly in the professional sports world where they're often in an arena where the, the biomedical or single biomedical thought process is often validated with easy access to routine scans and so forth. So it is not easy to undo. The one thing that I would say is I was introduced to the biopsychosocial model very early on in my, even my training. And, but I was introduced to it by individuals who applied it very successfully and almost autonomously in, in, in practice. Um, and that was quite rare. Whereas now, I think we're operating in a, in a world where people are peddling consistently, very good, up-to-date, person-centered, accessible and friendly models of, of healthcare. So I think the time is ripe for change, but it, it requires a lot of education and a lot of persistence and consistency too. A therapist in particular. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. But and that is why in in my in my book I've I've used an umbrella term physical therapists. I haven't once mentioned osteopaths and physios and 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 chiropractors because I think we should start by by coming together and pr sort of relaying a consistent model to the golfers that that we see. Professional encroachment. Um, it's, it's a particular problem where people sort of have a, a very set view about what what someone's what someone's role should be. Absolutely. Um, and then you know, as practitioners, we we buy into it as well because mm -hmm. that's you know people come to see us and then we want to fulfil their expectations of what we should be doing. So mm -hmm. you know, yeah, I'm all up for that being changed as well. So mm -hmm. looking forward to to getting a copy of the book. Uh, do you want to give us a a brief overview about why we should all go out and buy it? Because, I mean, the grand, aim, the, the grand aim of the book was to present a unified model of fitness and physical therapy to the, the golfing community. So I think that anyone could benefit, read it, and think, actually, that's what golf fitness is trying to achieve, and that's what physical therapists are trying to achieve. So I like to think that it's relevant for anyone who plays the game of golf. Um, and, and, and I think a common understanding is important because I think that a lot of myths and fallacies stem from the fact that a person over here is doing this for this specific reason, and a person over here is doing another thing for a completely different reason. And often we fail to realize that we're all working with, this, with the same thing. Um, the, the book actually obviously stems from my own personal passion of golf, but also the, the, the battle with myths that prevailed within the, the 
realm of golf and I actually thought actually we can do better here. Can you give um, us a couple of examples of those sort of myths? Just that, I mean, without, without libeling anyone. <laughs> yeah, I, I've, I mean, I, I was an injured golfer myself, and um, so when I um, when I went to see a physical therapist, then the first thing I said was, "Is there someone who can help me specifically with golf?" And it was almost, you know, sneered at. You know, golf isn't a sport you typically get injured in, and you know, go with the rugby guys and so forth. Um, but so that wasn't helpful in for a start. You know, the golf is a sport that needs to be taken seriously like like any other sport. But I remember coming across a, uh, a particular performance institute and they almost tried to understand me using just a very formulaic five-step screen process. And it had nothing to do with my physical health and it had nothing to do with my golf health. And, and it was a massive personal and professional failure for me. Um, so what... It almost inspired me to create a, a a template, a broad template and set of principles that were ubiquitous in, de, in design and that could be applied to anyone for their specific performance goals on and off the course. And I, I think that was inspiration in itself and, and that's why I think that anyone could benefit from reading and developing the information that's in this text because this text is by no means uh, this is how you look after the golfer this is how you get a golfer fit one sort of take-home message for for our listeners about golf and sports medicine and all the things we've been talking about today what what would it be um it would be to think broadly um so my practice has combined sports medicine the traditional aspects of the orthopaedic sciences and exercise as a health tool, strength conditioning practice, physical therapy practice, so aspects of osteopathy in their traditional forms, physiotherapy, even chiropractic, um, movement sciences, pain sciences, even diverse areas of practice such as cognitive behavioral sciences, um, Feldenkrais methods and mindfulness-based practice combined with my own experience of playing golf for 20 years, for being an injured golfer, but also intuition, logic. You know, the, so that's what's come into sort of my book, but that's what's come into my practice. And actually, even within each of those various disciplines, you can you can expand endlessly. So um, my, if you are comfortable with where you're at, then I would say that you need to keep looking. And there's always a way of improving your practice, and there's certainly always a way of helping the, the health and performance needs of a golfer. Thanks, Andy, for your insights today. I'd like to remind all our listeners that we're active on all the usual social media channels and to have a physically active day.